Let's give Brother Moore a great big welcome again tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Brother Moore. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forever and ever. My Savior. Yours too? Oh, somebody say, my Savior. My Savior. My Savior. Do you know they're working on your mansion right now? Did you know that? He said, if it wasn't so, I, I would have I told you. And he's coming, hallelujah. He's coming to get us, to receive us unto himself. Hallelujah. This is the briefest thing we will ever do, is this life. It's the briefest, shortest thing we will ever do. This is uh, faith school. We're being trained to rule and reign with Him. We're being trained to learn how to trust Him. Because everything He does, is like Brother Mark was saying, is by faith. He created everything by faith. And, it, and in the uh, eons to come, His kingdom's going to operate by the same principles. And so we're learning how to function by faith right now in this life. Hallelujah. And the, what we learn in this life, we will carry into the next. Hallelujah. Once, once you leave here, you rest from your labors, but your works follow you. When they said you can't take it with you, it was only partially right. <laughs> you can't take the stuff with you you wouldn't want to your good stuff's over there anyway <laughs> but the things that matter you will take with you every good thing that was done by faith and in love will be things that pass the test and there will be gold silver and precious stones and they will stay with us and follow us Eon after eon. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are a blessed bunch. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Let's release faith for the rest of the service. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much. What a privilege it is to know you and to be with fellow believers. Uh, how rich it is to enjoy the harmony of the fellowship of faith. And your spirit is here. And we ask you, Lord, that your word, the light of your powerful, precious word, would penetrate hearts and minds, that there would come answers and direction for right now. Lord, show us things we haven't seen. Give us understanding we've not yet comprehended. Anything that you've shown us that we let get away from us, remind us of it, please. And we purpose to be hearers, uh, not hearers only, but hearers and doers, and to put it into practice. Thank you. Everybody said out loud, thank you, thank you. for ears that, hear, ears that hear, eyes that see, eyes that see a, heart a heart and a mind that understands, that understands and, receives. and receives. I'm a doer. Of the Word of God, in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. <clears throat> oh, praise the Lord. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. Do I need that mic if I'm going to sing? Is that what I need? <coughs> um, thank you, Lord. Years ago, Phyllis and I got a little apartment in the rough part of town. And we called it Shoot 'em Up Alley. <coughs> if you got bored, you didn't have to turn the TV on. Just open the windows and look out. <coughs> <laughs> we uh, one night we came out on a Wednesday night to go to church. We came out the front door, and the police on a bullhorn said, "Get back inside! Get back inside!" <laughs> there was some activity in the street. I said, "Oh, Phil, we better go out the back this time." <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. All right. Test. Yeah. yeah, it's on. Yeah. Yeah, they said one. Is it okay? Do I need to turn the other one off? All right. And um, uh, it, uh, it took all the faith we had to believe for the rent there. And we had a little uh, 1969 pickup, and um, it took all the faith we had to uh, just go, in, go to school every day and lunch. We're believing God for every pair of socks uh, I, and every, every tank of gas, I mean, and there was nothing in the refrigerator, you know, you just meal to meal. And uh, tuition was coming up, and we didn't have it. We'd been there just a couple of months, you know. And uh, I'm sitting on this sofa that was worn out a long time ago. The place came furnished. <laughs> and uh, I had my guitar, and... Uh, I had learned enough about faith to realize worrying's not going to help me. Did you, do you know, well, let me just ask you a question. How many bills have you ever paid with worry? Even part of a bill. You have never met a need or helped a family member or done anything profitable and good with worry. If we're going to help somebody... We've got to do something that can make a difference. Faith in God can make a difference. Fear and worry will never help anybody, including yourself. And so I had learned enough about faith already to realize I just, just being afraid I'm not going to make it and worrying is not going to help me here. I need to begin to just thank God and look to Him. And He gave me a song. He gave me a song. <clears throat> You know, a lot of the songs in the Psalms were given to David when he was in a time of challenge or duress. You can see that. And it actually is the spirit of prophecy. It was inspired utterance. And uh, it was a way that he encouraged himself. And the Lord did the same thing to me. So I'm going to sing that song to you tonight. Amen. And I'd like for you to sing it along with me as soon as you're learning. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for meeting my needs. Meeting my needs. 
meeting my needs. Oh, I thank you, Father, for meeting my needs. Oh, you're meeting my needs today. Everybody say, thank you, Father, for meeting my needs. Meeting my needs. Meeting my needs. Oh, I thank you, Father, for meeting my needs. Yes, you're meeting my needs today. Yeah. 
knees. Oh, I thank you, Father, for meeting my needs. Yes, you're meeting my needs today. Oh, you're meeting my needs. Every one of my needs. Oh, you're meeting all my needs today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, just lift your hands and thank the Lord for meeting all your needs. Oh, He loves you, saints. He loves you. Oh, He is well able, well able to meet every need inside and out. He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry heart. Hallelujah. He fills our life with good things. Don't despair. Don't fear. Don't say, what am I going to do now? You're going to have your needs met, needs met now. I wonder if we'll have enough. No, we'll have too much. We'll have more than enough. <coughs> more than enough. Because <coughs> that's who we serve. That's our God. More than enough. Hallelujah. Jehovah. Shaddai. Oh, thank God. Glory to God. Jehovah Jireh. Oh, thank God. He used to be. Is he still Jehovah Jireh? El Shaddai? Is he still the God who satisfies and supplies? The God who looks ahead and provides the supply and meets the need? He always has been. He always will be. And somebody say, he is to me. He is to me. And it's not just believing that God is you have to go beyond that. The devils believe that God is, and they tremble. But what you believe that He is to you, that's what shows up in your life. He's not just, Jesus is not just a Savior. He's my Savior. He's not just a healer. He's my healer. Hallelujah. He's not just a provider. He's my provider. My comforter, my soul satisfier, fills my mouth and my life with good things so that my youth is renewed. Hallelujah. Like the eagles, glory to God. Thank you, Lord, with long life. He'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. <coughs> glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> well, what do you want to do now? <clears throat> you look like you're ready to hear something else. So <laughs> we might as well keep going. So let's look at Scripture we looked at last night. And you're believing with me, correct? We prayed. You're believing with me. I got some thoughts and some things and, and notes, but that's where we're not locked into that. We're... We're, we want just exactly what he would say and do. And you're not limited to what I know. He speaks to you beyond that, right? The Holy Spirit's your teacher. And he, only he can minister to every individual 
individually, simultaneously. It's amazing how he does that. <clears throat> you have an anointing of the Holy One. And you know everything you need to know by that unction and by that anointing. The anointing is, is, is who and what is teaching us. In Zechariah 10, we looked at this last night. Zechariah 10.1, he said, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. Rain in the natural is a blessing. And it is, it represents the, uh, something very similar in the spirit. God's word falls like rain. We'll, we'll see that, I believe, in just a moment. But here he tells us, ask for the rain. So this would be prayer. In Hosea 6.3, you don't have to turn there, but in Hosea 6.3 says, Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, His going forth is prepared as the morning, and He shall come to us as the rain. He come, God reigns on us. Hallelujah. His spirit reigns on us. He shall come to us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. Hallelujah. Somebody say, rain on us, Lord. <laughs> rain on us. Glory to God. Listen to these scriptures. You don't have to turn to these, but just you can just listen. Deuteronomy 32 and 1. 32, 1 says, Give ear, O ye heavens, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 1, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine, <laughs> uh, 32 is what we're looking for, chapter 3. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. Did you hear that? My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. As the small rain upon the tender herb and the showers upon the grass. Doctrine drops like rain. And speech distills like dew. We're having a manifestation of spiritual precipitation. <laughs> right now. Now when, uh, did you hear he said dew and small rain? There's not a lot of difference between a heavy dew and a really, really light rain. And uh, you don't feel anything falling on you in a light dew. And so there are different degrees and manifestations of this. But every time the anointing is manifest, and it's not just a man or a woman speaking, there is this manifestation of spirit 
distillation and precipitation. Hallelujah. Revelation precipitation. Can you see this? But it can become so thick and so strong that you can sense it like rain falling on you. It can be much, uh, what's the word, much thicker, much heavier is a better word, much heavier. Glory to God. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit come get in the chair with you? Huh? If you haven't, don't knock it. <laughs> don't knock what you don't know. I'm telling you. The Spirit of God, He's in you in the new birth, but He can also come on you. He's real. And in different degrees. He can come, I've had Him come on me in a measure until I laughed and I cried and I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> but I didn't want it to stop either. <laughs> And if you haven't experienced that, you just need to go a little further. Just just need to go a little further. Say it again. Rain on me, Lord. Hallelujah. Rain on me. Listen to Isaiah 55 and 6. Isaiah 55 and 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now, we, we saw in our first verse, ask the Lord rain. And here it says, seek. Ask and seek. Verse 7, and, and this is key, we, we, we don't need to just leave out uh, parts of verses. Let the wicked forsake his way. Now, if you'll see it in verse 10, it says, as the rain comes down and snow from heaven. And verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. Uh, we quote that a lot. But usually folks don't start at verse 7. Let the wicked forsake, their, forsake his way. <coughs> but they go together. They are attached. Y'all going to help me with this tonight? <laughs> we got to watch about picking and choosing. We like these scriptures We don't know if we like that one or not. (laughs) Just don't say anything about that. (laughs) Because those will be the areas where we will have unanswered questions. We will will lack understanding. Look at it again, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. Everybody say, "Return return to the Lord. And when he does that, what's going to happen? He, the Lord, will have mercy on him. And, and to our God, in other words, let him return to our God. And what will the Lord do? What will our God do? He will abundantly pardon. For, see, all this goes together, doesn't it? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and snow from heaven, and returns not thither, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth." It's just like the rain. His word 
that comes out of his mouth, comes from heaven, is just like the rain or the snow. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Hallelujah. Everything rain does for the earth and for seed and for plants, the Word of God does for us. Hallelujah. You know, uh, Paul said, he said in 1 Corinthians, uh, what is it, chapter 3, so he said, I have planted, Apollos watered. He was the first one to bring the Word to them. And he both planted the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, and of course, you know, when you plant something, it needs to be watered. But then here comes Apollos, who's a God-called anointed teacher and minister, and later on, he comes along, and what does a young plant need? He watered it. How was it watered? It was watered by the anointed Word. Glory to God. And when the water falls, especially on dry, parched ground, it's a wonderful thing. First of all, that old hard, parched ground needs to be softened up. I said it needs to be softened up. Elsewise, you can cast precious seed on top of the ground. It won't even go in. Nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to be received. Well, hearts can be hard. Oh, there's a lot of hard hearts in this world. You come across any of them? <laughs> We're not going to judge them, right? We're gonna, we, we need to work on us. But you're a wise person coming to a church like this or going to church, being in meetings like this. Why? Because your heart can get more tender in the presence of God. I, I, with my own self, I've noticed this throughout the years. The times that I was doing the best spiritually, when I'm closest to God and my faith is the strongest and I'm the most aware and sensitive to the Spirit of God, you can, I can tell it by characteristics about myself. I am quick to cry. I'm quick to shout, <laughs> quick to laugh. I'm, I'm, I'm tender-hearted. Come on, can you see this? And the harder you get and the slower you are and the more unresponsive you are, that's a reflection of your hardness of heart. Bad condition. Because what happens uh, when ground is really hard and a lot of, if a lot of water comes on it, it just runs right off. And if seed comes on it, it just, the birds can come get it. It didn't even go in. Oh, but if you got that, that, that light, slow, gentle, sweet rain. Somebody say, rain on me, Lord. <laughs> that sweet rain. Then the first few drops kicks up the dust. But then the next several drops soak in just a little bit. Is that right? <laughs> and then some more goes into the cracks of the, the hard ground. 
And it begins, those cracks begin to, to, to seal back up and it softens up more than a half inch. And if in just a slow, steady rain, sweet rain, next thing you know, that ground is just right to receive some seed. Is that just right? To receive some seed, and that seed can get in there and take off. Roots plunging down and branches plunging up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And instead of a dry, barren thing, it becomes a fruitful wonder. Bearing fruit. Fruit for the master we're talking about. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the rain. Let me read it again. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, the Lord said. It will not return to me void. Hallelujah. It'll not. There is no word of God void of power. Incapable of coming to pass. Oh, his word. We're talking about the same God who said, light be. Oh, hallelujah. And when he speaks to us, everything he says whether we realize it or not or acknowledge it to that degree or not, every word he says is eternally true, eternally powerful, eternally effective when it finds receptive ground. Hallelujah. And that's ground that said, I'll take the rain. Rain on me. I, I will I will. Open up my heart before you, Lord. I won't harden myself against you. I will humble myself before you. I will receive from you. I will believe in you and trust you. This is a receptive heart. A receptive heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody just by faith say, Thank you, Lord, for the rain. 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 Thank you 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 for the rain. Hallelujah. Go to James 5, please. Thank you for the rain. I'm getting stirred up about the rain. (laughs) The rain is the blessing of God. James Chapter 5, verse 7. 5, 7, he said, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Is he coming? He's coming. One of these days, 
the trumpet's going to sound. Everybody's going to hear it. The dead are going to hear it. <coughs> you talk about a trumpet blast. <laughs> the dead are going to hear this trumpet. Whoo! <laughs> he's coming. Somebody say, He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth. That's why he has sent his rain, his incorruptible word. He has seeded the planet with this. And some have received his word and some have not. But there will be a harvest. Hallelujah. You and I are part of it. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And he has long patience for it. Till he receive, again, the early and the latter rain. Skip on down to verse 16. <clears throat> now, verse 17 talks about Elijah praying about rain, it not raining, and then praying about it raining. But verse 16 goes with it. Just like we saw earlier, confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that's what led up to Elijah and his praying. But in talking about praying, he talked about repentance. Acknowledging. When he says fault, he's talking about violation of light. We'd call it sin or trespass or transgression. Sin is violation of light. You, to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. It's based, based on what you know. And uh, he said, he's talking about repentance and prayer. Then he goes on to say, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you err from the truth, so he's still talking about missing it, isn't he? <clears throat> if any of you err from the truth, and one convert him, now, convert has to do with being turned back to. Remember what we read in, in Isaiah about his word coming down. If the wicked man forsake his ways and come back to God. Yes. Turn back to. <clears throat> if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way. This is a description of repentance. Yes. Repentance means to turn from that which is wrong and that which has taken you away from God, back to that which is good and right and come back to God. Come back to the Lord. He that converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. There has been a missing component in people praying for needs to be met. 
Many, many times. And that is this component of repentance. Many have only prayed, but they've not included the component of repentance. Are you with me? When something was needed, something was wrong, we need to pray. We need to pray. Well, again and again, the scriptures didn't just say pray. It said repent and pray. Are we reading the New Testament right here in the book of James? Is he talking about repenting and praying? Now, uh, a scripture that's very familiar to a whole lot of folks is over in, uh, <clears throat> in fact, at 1 Kings 8, it's, it's in two different places in these writings. 1 Kings 8, and the, where I'm going to wind up is in 2 Corinthians seven fourteen. A lot of people know this verse. You'll recognize it when we read it. 1 Kings eight thirty five. 1 Kings eight thirty five says, When heaven is shut up, and there is no rain, because they have sinned against you. See, this is politically incorrect nowadays. <laughs> right? You don't use the S word. <laughs> That's been done away with. People now have issues. <laughs> issues. <laughs> Challenges. Which they are working on. <laughs> Let me go over here and talk about it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the S word, sin, very unpopular. <laughs> Not just in the world, in the church. <laughs> huh? <laughs> well, Jesus took all our sins and paid the price for all our sins. Absolutely correct. Can a Christian still sin? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does it matter whether you sin or not? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> people have issues. <laughs> What's going on with brother so-and-so? Uh, <laughs> he has an issue... With other women, he's, you know, <laughs> what, but he's working on it. <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? He's having two affairs on the side and he's cut it down to one. <laughs> What does that mean? People get upset over this. Well, I'm working on it. No, you're in sin and you haven't repented. 
Period. Nobody has to sin. You don't. Nobody ever has to sin, is unable to keep from sinning. If that were true, you shouldn't have to repent. Because it's not your fault. You couldn't help it. <clears throat> the very fact that you must repent reveals you could have resisted and not yielded. That's why you have to repent. Because you knew better. And you gave in. <laughs> But violating light brings consequences. Are y'all with me, friends? And it's not that God turns against you or the price that was paid for your sin is no longer vital and active. It's that you disqualify yourself. You take yourself out from under the protection. That's something God is doing at all. You remove yourself. You open the door to the destroyer. If you're yielding to him, he has a right. It's dangerous to sin. I said it's dangerous. The devil hates us. Did you know that? He's looking to get to you anytime, any way. <clears throat> and it's particularly dangerous. To yield back to stuff God delivered you from. Oh, it's dangerous. Because let's say you did drugs. And you did drugs like a crazy man. And you should have died a dozen times from overdose this or that. But you didn't. And you got saved. And you got delivered. Well, the enemy could come and tempt you to do drugs again. But you're a fool if you do. Because the reason you didn't die all those other times was simply the mercy of God. He knew where you were at. He knew how stupid you were. And he knew you would come to him and give your heart to him. And he spared you. Be out, out of his mercy. Oh, somebody say mercy. But now you know better. You know better. And if you yield to it, it could just be one more time. And the devil take you out. He's he just waiting for an opportunity like that. He's looking for something like that. <clears throat> I know I uh, had a man in a healing school at Brother Hagin's ministry one time. He was a very successful attorney. I mean, his firm was one of the top ones in a large city. I mean, he was top of his profession. But through mingling with people that he did and social drinking, he became an alcoholic and uh, ruined his life. I mean, he uh, destroyed his relationship with his wife, destroyed his relationship with his daughters, and his working. He got to where he couldn't work. Just wouldn't show up, and you know you can't do that. And and uh, he hit he hit rock bottom, 
And during some of this, I don't know, he, he broke his leg, his ankle. And, and as a last resort, he had come to healing school at Brother Hagin's ministry. Still just drinking and his life shattered. And he was with us for a couple of weeks. And uh, at the end of the couple of weeks, we had a laying on of hands. And when I got to him, I laid hands on him and just commanded him to be free. He said later, I, I didn't know it at the time, he said, he came and told me later, he said, when you said that, it felt like a band around me just broke. <laughs> the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. Well, this vice grip, I have to drink, I have to have a drink, that's, that's a yoke. That's a shackle. That's a chain to have to do anything. It's a bondage, right? How many believe the anointing of God is powerful enough to break any yoke? Any yoke. I don't care what it is. Sexual addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, spending addiction. I don't care what it is. Is there power in God to just break that thing off of you? Just break it right off of you. I've seen it over and over again. Hallelujah. <laughs> it can happen right here in this room tonight. Right here in this room tonight. And he had this, he had this cast on his uh, uh, ankle, and he was, that bone was instantly healed. I didn't tell him to do it. I guess the Lord told him to. He just reached down, pulled that thing off, and jumped on it. Actually, the thought that went through my mind was, he better be healed. <laughs> I didn't tell him to do that. And he was. Man, was he healed. Oh, he was so thrilled. He, he, uh, he sent us a, a letter, I don't know, three months later or so. He was uh, going on mission trips. He, he has, had reconciled with his wife. He can rec had reconciled with his daughters. His business was back up. They took him back in. Uh, his life was just restored, just restored. And he said, I, ha he said, I hadn't even desired a drink. I am free. I am free. But that, I, I, I didn't tell you all that happened in the healing line. When I, when I prayed for him and I said, I said, be loosed in Jesus' name, the Spirit of God quickened me. I backed up and I said, look at me. I said, do you remember Joseph when Potiphar's wife came in the house and came on to him? Lie with me, be with me, go to bed with me, in other words. I said, what did he do? What did he do? He ran out of his coat. He ran out of his coat. There's revelation here about dealing with temptation. Notice what he didn't say to Potiphar's wife. Let, let, let's sit here on the bed and talk about this. <laughs> Let's up. <laughs> he knew, young man as he was, still he knew, I cannot stay here one more minute. 
I've got to get out of here. So he literally ran right out of his shirt or jacket, ran right out of it. He's gone. But he didn't miss God that day. And I told him, I said, listen, the Lord's delivered you. This was before we knew what he had told me, but I just knew it in my heart. I said, but in time to come, you're tempted to drink and go back in it. Remember Joseph. If you need to, I don't care who's there, I don't care what's there, get up. And if you need to, run right out. Just get up and run for your life. I said, are, are, are you looking at me? I mean, I was straight with it. It wasn't just me. It was the Spirit of God. He said, yeah, yeah. I said, do you hear me? Run! Run! I know it was shocking to him, but it wasn't just me. It was the Spirit of God. And for months and months, I mean, it was over a year, I guess. Like I said, he was restored. And then somebody uh, contacted me and said, did you hear about so-and-so, this man? I said, no, what? They said, he's, he's paralyzed in a wheelchair. I said, what? What happened? Well, he was at this uh, social gathering with his attorney friends and their upper level clientele. And, of course, they're all drinking like fish. And, and he decided he, he'd just take one drink. Turned into five and ten and he went on a binge for three days and had a stroke. Now he's in a wheelchair. See, all the enemy needed. Come on, can you see that? So that's why the Spirit of God said that to him like that. You can see now. Why can't you? You can see why now. Because all the enemy, he knew, how the, he knew what the enemy would try to do. All the enemy needed was one more shot at him. It's a fool thing to play with sin. It's dangerous. I said it's dangerous. And it's not because God will turn against you and be mad and hurt you. It's because you open up the door to the destroyer. Who wants to kill you every day of your life? Jesus said, the thief comes. Not for to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But we've got to pay attention to what the Lord says. If he says run, run. if he yells at you run, run, then you best get your little self up and run. <laughs> do what he told you to do. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <sighs> Where are you? In the scriptures here. First Kings 8, when the heaven is shut up and there's no rain, because they have sinned against you. Amongst believers, blessing is the norm. We should be blessed. We should be healed. Our bills should be paid. Our needs should be met. Come on, are you with me? That should be normal. Normal. And if it's not, and it's not adjusted quickly by us believing and doing some things, it's time 
to seek the Lord and get willing to repent. Because we got the door open somewhere. We need to make some changes. Some folks just keep praying and praying and don't include this element. If they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin. Here's that word again, turn from. Turn from. Then hear from heaven, forgive the sin, and teach them your good way, and give rain upon the land. Now, Second Chronicles 7, 14 is the same verse as what I just read you. It's just Chronicles' version of it. See if this sounds familiar to you. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall do what? Not just pray. Not just pray. Somebody say, not just pray. pray. See, you can pray proudly. Humble yourself and pray. Why humble yourself? You need to acknowledge something's wrong or we wouldn't be experiencing all this trouble. This is not the will of God. Not the plan of God. He didn't miss it. Now, a lot of folks don't like this kind of preaching. <laughs> they don't like it at all. They like what I call, this is, I mean, what I'm about to tell you, it is widely adhered to churches all across the world. What I call no-fault religion. <laughs> what does that mean? No matter what happens, <laughs> it's not your fault. Because God is sovereign. Now, boy, that's a catch-all word if you ever heard it. Well, isn't he sovereign? Do you even know what that means? <laughs> Is he all-knowing? Yes. Is he all-powerful? Yes. Then he's controlling everything? No. No. He didn't decide what you ate for breakfast this morning. You did. Much less the more important stuff. Are you with me? A lot of folks don't believe that. Because then, when there's these problems, they want to make it into, well, God is doing, we don't know why he's doing this. <laughs> but he, he has some purpose in it. And it never occurs to them, maybe we missed God. And if we'd get it right, this thing would get fixed. <clears throat> if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and do what? Turn, Turn from those things, wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. And all this was in connection with when it's not raining. When there's no rain. Because rain is supposed to just come normally. It's supposed to be there. And if it's not, it is time to pray and ask for rain. But if it's not remedied quickly, it's not just time to pray. It's time to repent. repent. 
Tell me what repenting is. First of all, you acknowledge that you've messed up. And you have some remorse for messing up. I don't mean you're going to stay in guilt, but you acknowledge this is wrong. And you, and you don't want to grieve the Lord. You don't want to displease Him. And now you're willing to turn away from that and come back to the Lord and stay with Him. You repented. You turned. Go with me to Luke, please. The book of Luke. I'm giving you some extra scriptures on this, but I think we need to. It's not something that, that I've taught a whole lot just like this. So in that case, we can't just assume we're on the same page. Let's turn the book to the same page. Then we know we are. <clears throat> Luke 13, are you there? This, this answers questions. And I believe the Lord has led me for us to do some things tonight before the service is over. That's going to have a big impact on this area. On this area. Hallelujah. On this region. <laughs> by Not because we're, we're so great. By the mercy of God. Just doing what he told us to do. You, you believe in with me? So stay hooked. I mean, faith comes by hearing. That's what we're doing right now. We're hearing these things. And our faith for this is coming. Luke 13 and 2. Jesus answering said to them. Well, I, I started too, too late. Go to verse 1. There were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. This is an awful thing that Pilate did. If it would have been today, it would have been the leading story on the news. Everybody around there knew it. That's why it came up. These individuals went to the uh, temple and they're offering their sacrifices and they had made Pilate mad and for some, some, something happened and he sent his soldiers and while they're shedding the blood of these sheep and goats, he shed their blood. Cut their throats, whatever, kill them right there. They all died. And verse 3, he brings up something that's still with us to this day. Excuse me, verse 2. Verse 2, Jesus said, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Now, why would he even ask that question? Because that was in the minds of a lot of the people. Why in the world did that awful thing happen to them? And a lot of people say, well, they must be, must be worse sinners. Than anybody. What did Jesus say? Verse 3. I tell you nay. No. No. This didn't happen to them. Because they were worse than somebody else around him. But except you repent. You shall all likewise perish. What's the key. To protection here. Repentance. Many have given repentance a negative connotation. They don't like to talk about it. They don't talk, like to talk about the S word. But repentance is a gift. I said repentance is a gift. 
And it is the only way out of judgment situations. It's the only way out. But it is the way. You can come completely out and all the way back to full fellowship with the Lord. Do you believe it, saints? Repentance is a gift. It's a gift. A gift from God. He he gives another example. Verse 4. Those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Again, this would have been on our news. I don't know whether these people were there on business or activity or their tourists. I don't know what the case case was. But they're there. Something happened. This tower collapsed, fell on them, killed them. And so he he brings it up because it's in the minds of the people. Do you think they were worse sinners than everybody else around there? That's why that bad thing happened to them. And what did he say? Again, what did he say? No. Would God that every preacher would get a hold of this right here? Because you've got a lot of times when some kind of tragedy hits here or there, a lot of preachers will jump up and immediately say, God's judging them for their sin. And that directly contradicts what Jesus said right here. And people are asking the wrong questions. Wonder why God did that to them. That's the wrong question. Absolutely the wrong question. The question is, why wasn't he able to protect them? And Jesus tells us the answer. Lack of repentance. How many remember the scripture in Peter? God's not willing that any should perish. Do you know the rest of that verse? Huh? But that all should come to what? Repentance is the way to keep from perishing. They perished. Not because they were worse than somebody else living around there. They, they weren't protected. Because they hadn't repented. And what he's letting them know, you are just as vulnerable as they are. You just weren't there that day. But you are just as unprotected as they are unless you repent. Now, you know, I mean, if you say we're going to have a seminar on repentance... Everybody might not just take their vacations and schedule to come (laughs) immediately. But if it was true, it'd be one of the best things you ever got. Because it is the way out of every failure and disaster. It is the way to prevent being judged and get out of judgment. And if there's a catastrophe and if there's problems, that's the way to stop it. I said it's the way to stop it. Oh, come on, can you see this, saints? 
And what it is, is to come and acknowledge. We haven't been listening to you, Lord. You told us and we ignored you. Come on, are you listening? And we are going to stop that now. We're turning away from that. We, we, we're saying that's not right. You said it's not right. We've been doing it, but we're saying it's not right either. And we're coming back to you. And we're agreeing with you. The moment you do that, it opens the door for God to show mercy. Didn't we see that? For God to pardon. For God to forgive. And God to intervene. And bring back the rain. Come on, can you see this, saints? God's not our problem. Never has been our problem. We've been our problem. (laughs) And if you choose wrong, you let the devil in. But repentance changes everything. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Go with me to Timothy, please. Hallelujah. I believe it's first, uh, let me see, second Timothy is where I want you to go. Second Timothy, second chapter. The Lord is not willing that any should perish. That's second Peter 3, 9. You're going to second Timothy. The Lord's not willing that any should perish. But what, put that up on the screen so everybody can see it, please. Second Peter 3, 9. 2 Peter 3, 9. He's not willing that any should perish. But what? what? What's the opposite of perishing? He could have said that any way he wanted to, right? What's the opposite of perishing? What prevents perishing? What, what prevented me and you from going to hell? Huh? What's the difference between us that's not going to hell and people that are? Comes right down to that. I mean, nobody's going to be in hell because they're a murderer or a liar or a thief or any terrible thing you want to mention. Because all of those sins were born by Jesus. He paid the price for them. It'll be because they wouldn't repent and believe. And by the grace of God, He's allowed you and I to be enlightened. And we bowed our knee. And we humbled our heart. And we said, be merciful to me, a sinner. (laughs) And we believed on Him. Hallelujah. And because of that repentance and that faith, we will not perish. The second death has no power on us. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, glory. We we don't even know how we ought to shout about that. We'll find out later. We will find out later. But what was the difference between us perishing and not perishing? He's not willing. Are people perishing? 
It is against the will of God that they are doing so. There, there are preachers, there are people that try to leave the idea that everything that's happening is somehow the mysterious will of God. But the fact is, there's a whole lot of stuff happening on this planet that is completely contrary to the will of God. Men and women perishing is contrary to the will of God. Am I reading scripture or not? God is what? Not willing. That how many? How many? So anybody that perishes are doing it contrary to his will. It's not his will. What is his will? That all of us would repent. Is that right? Repent and not perish. Repent and not perish. He's not asking us to pay for anything. Jesus paid for it. But just acknowledge that you turned away from him. Acknowledge that you ignored him and violated his light. And come back to him. Not just in word, in heart. Come back to him. Genuinely, honestly, humbly. And believe. <laughs> and in so doing, you will not be judged. And you won't perish. Oh, hallelujah. You see, you see what I'm talking about when I say repentance is a gift. It's a gift. It's not just a get out of jail free. It's a get out of hell free. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that before. <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? It's true. It's true. <laughs> He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Timothy two and twenty four. Second Timothy two twenty four. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Now, this is so important. Ministers, pay double attention to this. Everybody pay close attention. I don't care how much it bothers you, how wrong somebody is, how far off they may be. You will be wrong when you get agitated and you try to start pushing things off on them, and you're not gentle. Striving, upset. All of these are just indications you're not in faith. You're in fear. And you got to realize it's not all in your hands. You want to acknowledge it. Whether they do right, whether they have to do, they have to get this right. No, they don't. They don't ever have to get it right. Well, if they don't, it's going to cost them. I know it. Well, they, they need to do this. Doesn't mean they will. God won't make them. 
And you can't. And you shouldn't try to. Hmm? Shouldn't try to. Anytime you get into trying to make somebody do something, you leave the Holy Spirit. He is the comforter. Hmm? Did you notice when the Spirit came on Jesus, it wasn't a 40-foot eagle with, with talons blaring, screaming in. I mean, the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep. If you want to talk about power, he could have come down in a power mode. How did he come down? In the shape and form as a dove. He's called the Spirit of Peace. You notice that the Bible said that Jesus, he refers to himself as the good shepherd. Big reason why that's not the good cowboy. <laughs> what does the cowboy do? Drives the herd. Cowboy drives the herd. <laughs> Move them doggies. Jesus is the what? What does the shepherd do? He goes out ahead of his flock. He calls his flock by name. And they voluntarily follow him. Nobody's driving them. Nobody's driving them. They're following him of their own free will. The Holy Spirit doesn't make people do things. He will deal with you. He will enlighten you. He'll warn you. He'll draw you. He'll remind you. But you can still say no. And he won't make you. The devil is the manipulator. He wants to control you. He, he's the forcer. He's the pusher. He's the demander. That's what Jesus said, you know, when the disciples, they didn't like how one town was going to act like they weren't going to receive Jesus. They said, you want us to call fire down on this bunch right now? And he said, boys, you don't know what spirit you're of. You don't know what spirit you're of. We're not of the spirit who makes people do things. Now, that's one of the toughest things about being in the ministry. Because <laughs> you will see situations. I've had the Lord send me to people supernaturally and say, if you don't do this, stop doing this, this is going to happen. And this is bad things. And they sat right there and ignored it and went next week and did it. And it happened. And folks, don't listen. And that's part of life that will bug you if you let it. <laughs> huh? But it's no need for you to be shocked, because guess who else hadn't always listened? <laughs> don't act so shocked. <laughs> like, like you've always, every time, listened and immediately responded. 
(laughs) But no matter how many times and how far off you may have gotten, there is a way back. All the way back. All the way in. Oh, hallelujah. Away from judgment. Away from perishing and destruction. Come on, tell me what it is. What is it? It's the gift of repentance. It's how to get the rain back. When it's gotten dry. When you're born again. Can you remember when you were born again? I'm seeing a lot of puzzled looks across them. (laughs) Do I need to give an altar call, right? Right now. (laughs) Come on, think with me for just a moment. Think with me. I remember when I was born again. Hmm? Do you remember when you were born again? Oh, man, something happened to you. I said, something happened to you. I was in junior high when I was born again. There's a, there's a whole story. I won't go into it, but we hadn't been going to church. My parents hadn't been going to church. My grandma had been hauling us to church. But uh, uh, some things happened, and, and my dad and mom got up, and they, they took us to church, uh, a little Baptist church. And when the altar call was given, my dad got up and went down the aisle. And boy, I thought he was Superman, you know. And so I figured if he needs to go, I probably need to go. So I got <laughs> I did. I got up and I followed my dad down to the altar. And glory to God, I was born again. I was born again. Hallelujah. And one of the things, and this may sound strange, but one of the things that stuck out to me, I'm in junior high, is when I went back to school, and that was Sunday, Monday I'm in school. And I'm looking around the classroom. And some people I thought I didn't like. (laughs) Last week, I looked at them and I thought, you know, I like them. (laughs) Well, what has happened? The love of God has been shed abroad in my... I am born of love. I'm born of God. Something has changed in my life. And there's this excitement and this tenderness and this thrill and this love. And we're never supposed to lose that. It's only supposed to grow. But again and again and again, what happens is in our walk in the, after the new birth, something came up the Lord dealt with us to do or not do, and we ignored it. And then we ignored something else. And so the the joy subsides. The excitement subsides. Not as aware of the strong love. And you get dry. You do that long enough and far enough, you get really dry. (laughs) But that's not God's choice. And that's not his fault. Dry. Psalm has said the rebellious dwell in a dry land. <clears throat> but all you got to do, all you got to do 
is come back and repent. Now, repent means not just you say, Lord, I'm sorry for not paying attention to you. It also has to mean I'm now ready to do what you told me to do. Come on, are you with me? Elsewise, you didn't repent. See, you, you can come fall across the altar and cry and take up a box of Kleenex and go back. And that don't mean you repented. Did you change? Was there a heart change? A turn? Look at the power of this in 2 Timothy 2.24. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, do you see how he keeps using these words? The approach makes the message more palatable. The proverb says the sweetness of the lips increases learning. He would make us fishers of men. Fishers have to learn tact. You don't take your rod and your, your bait and you go, bite it. Bite it. Bite it. <laughs> you need to bite it. You better bite it right now. Bite it. If you don't bite it, you're going to hell. Gentleness, meekness. Come on, can you see the approach? All this harshness is misrepresenting God. <laughs> Sometimes you need to cast it out there. Just let it sit. Move it just a little bit. Wiggle it a little bit. <laughs> Why? The fish has to decide they want it. Years ago, I was riding on a commercial ladder liner going somewhere. I was by myself and <clears throat> happened to be in first class, and there was a guy sitting there with me. And I could, well, you could tell by the time he got on the plane, he was rough as could be, man. He's drinking. He's about half lit, using a bunch of bad language. He just, <clears throat> you know saying crude things to people, being unkind to the flight attendants. And, and so uh, we're into the flight for a few minutes, and he kind of winds down a little bit. And I'm over there. I'm getting ready for a service. I'm, uh, <coughs> anyway, I won't get into all that. But <coughs> uh, I, uh, had, I pulled out my Bible. He looked over. He said, so what do you do? <laughs> I said, I'm a preacher. He said, hi. So you believe in all that? I said, yeah. And that's all I said. I just didn't say anything for 10 minutes. Finally, he looked over. He said, so you believe in all that Jesus stuff and all like that? I said, Yeah. <laughs> I just knew inside he's waiting for me to argue with him. How many know, depending on the fish, you got to pick which bait? 
Is that right? Which bait you're going to use? One fish responds to this bait. Another one, you've got to use something else. <laughs> to make a long story short, it was a long flight. About an hour and a half into it, he's asking me questions about God. And I was acting like I wasn't half interested whether I wanted him to talk to him. Finally, he said, do you know anything about that? Could you tell me? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would you pray for me? Well, not unless you're serious. <laughs> Are you serious about this? He began to cry. He said, I know better than this. My mama brought me up better than this. <laughs> She'd be ashamed to hear me cussing and drinking, carrying on like this. I said, well, I said, the Lord will forgive you. <laughs> so we prayed with him. Hallelujah. What did he need to do? To get out of that. To break out of that. What did he need? He needs God's help. He needs God's grace. Jesus already paid for it. It's already there. It's available. But like Brother Mark was saying, you've got to access it. And you do so with your faith through repentance. Keep reading this. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure. So it's not automatic. God doesn't owe us. Any of this. He doesn't owe us forgiveness. He doesn't owe us grace. If he owed it to you, it wouldn't be grace. He doesn't owe us repentance. He doesn't owe us anything. It's a free gift. We didn't earn it. And we can't deserve it. Y'all with me, friends? Which means he doesn't owe it to us. If God, peradventure, will give them what? Repentance to what? The acknowledging of the truth. The truth. What will the truth do for you, friend? What will it do? It'll make you free. <clears throat> but you have to admit it. See, one of the big things that people do is they get in, get in this junk and they, they knew it was wrong first time they did it, but they've been doing it for so long now and they've kind of convinced themselves it's okay or it's not that bad or whatever and they're believing lies. You've got to come back to the truth. This is wrong. I shouldn't be in it. It's taken me away from God. Come on, can you see this? Acknowledging the truth. And look what happens next. When you do that, you see the manifestation of the power of truth that makes free. Verse 26. Verse 26. And that they may recover themselves. In this kind of situation, if you repent like this, you don't, need, you don't need anybody to pray for you. You don't need hands laid on you. You don't need any outside assistance. You recover yourself. Out of the snare and bondage of the devil who you were taken captive by him at his will. When we repent, the devil loses his grip. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God gave me that. 
When we repent, okay, you can see it right here. They were, they were taken captive. They're in bondage. But when they repented, hallelujah, they recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Any, this works for yourself, of course, but any of your loved ones, any family, any co-workers, any friends. Now, of course, unbelievers, they need to come to Jesus, get born again. Send laborers across their path, Lord. But especially people that they know better, not living right, you pray this over them. When it comes up, instead of just, oh, God, help them, oh, God, help them, release faith in this specific word. And say, Lord, I'm asking you for them to give them. Do you hear it's a gift? Give them repentance. To the igno- well, what does that mean? That they would come to their self. Right? And be enlightened and realize, I am not okay. Look where I am. Look how far I've gotten away from God. Look what this is doing to me and my family and everything around. Look what this is doing to me. Wake up. You know, that's what happened to the, the prodigal. Is that right? He left father's house. He went out into the world, spending all his money on wild living. And then when the money was gone, his new friends are gone. He winds up at the pig pen, feeding pigs. And the Bible said he stood up from that uh, that pig pen, said he came to himself. He came to himself. Well, where was he before then? Where was he before then? He wasn't in his right mind. He he didn't have a sound mind. He was believing lies. He was being deceived. He was buying and seeing. Sin, there's no wisdom in sin. The devil will only show you a, a, a surface slice of sin. Not the reality of it. Because you see the reality of it, you'd run. The wages of sin is death. There's no future in it. Oh yeah, there may be some flesh gratification for a few moments, but then it's just pain and there's guilt and there's shame and there's all this other junk that's death. Oh, but there's a way back. I said there's a way back. There's a way all the way back into full fellowship with the Father where He won't even mention your sin to you anymore. Won't even bring it up to you. Not covered over, washed away by the blood of the Lamb. (coughs) But to enjoy it, you must repent. You must. Turn with me to the book of Daniel. Let's get ready to act on this. <coughs> to the book of Daniel. Mm, hallelujah. We, 
We're here on kingdom business tonight. <laughs> oh my. I can sense it. We're here on kingdom business tonight. Glory to God. We, we have something we can do right now. That can change things round about us. Glory to God. Daniel. Chapter 9. <clears throat> In Daniel. Chapter 9. Verse 1. <clears throat> Boy, I like it when God's plan comes together. Not, not just a plan, his plan. <laughs> Daniel 9, 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel saw through the Word of God that deliverance should be happening for his people. And he's not seeing it. Just because something is the will of God doesn't mean it's automatically done. And though the, the plan of God will be accomplished, it doesn't have to include me or you. He can use somebody else. Even though he wanted us to be a part of it. it we still have a will. But his plan's going to be accomplished overall. I don't want anybody taking my place. How about you? <clears throat> but when he saw this, verse 3, I set my face to the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. What's he doing? This is repentance. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned. Now Daniel is a righteous man, isn't he? You talk about a godly man. I mean, the angel from heaven said, you are greatly beloved, Daniel. That's coming from heaven. Holy, righteous, and here he is saying, we have sinned. What's he doing? He's identifying with his people, with his nation. He's one of them. And as a representative of theirs, he's praying as one of the seed of Abraham, as one of Israel. We've sinned and committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. We've rebelled, departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we hearkened to your servants, the prophets, which spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you. As an, but unto us, confusion of faces, as at this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and far off, uh, through all the countries, whether you have driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. 
Now, see, some folks would have said, well, we don't, you know, God let uh, the Chaldeans come and take them away and scatter them. We don't understand all this, and it's hard. But, you know, just don't question the will of God. God has some purpose in all this. That's not what Daniel is saying. He's saying, we missed it. We, turned, we didn't listen to you. We forsook and broke your covenant. We went as a nation and did these things. And now we have lost our country. We have lost our freedom. Here we are in this terrible situation. And it's because we, we have sinned. Why is, why is Daniel doing all this? Because when you repent... The devil loses his grip. He's looking for mercy. He's looking for these things to be turned around so that the prophecy comes to pass about the 70 years and the people are delivered. And they come out of this. But you don't just begin by praying, oh, God set us free, oh, God set us free, oh, God set us free. No. What's the first thing? We know why we're in this mess. We have sinned. And Lord, you're righteous. Not being able to protect us. All this stuff happening to us. You didn't miss it. You didn't do wrong. You're righteous. Righteousness belongs to you. Confusion of face to us. To our princes, our fathers, we've sinned against you. To the Lord our God... Belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against you. So he brings this up now, too. Is he a merciful God? Yes, he is. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways. Verse 11, all Israel have transgressed your law, departing that they might not obey your voice. Therefore, the curse is poured out upon us. And he confirmed the word that he spoke against us and our judges. The evil that had been done. Verse 13, written in the law of Moses, all this evil came. And yet we didn't pray to the Lord our God. We didn't turn from the iniquities and understand your truth. The truth makes you free. Therefore, as the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he does. Because we didn't listen. We didn't obey. And now, Lord our God, you brought your people forth out of the hand of Egypt with a mighty hand, and you've gotten your renown at this day, and we sinned. We've done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I beseech you, let your anger and fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins, and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people. Or become a reproach. Now therefore, O God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and behold the desolations in the city that is called by your name. Uh, For we do not present our supplication before you for our righteousness, but for your great mercies. Hallelujah. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for your own sake, O my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing, the angel Gabriel came. Hallelujah. 
and told him. Boy, you talk about answered prayer. This wasn't just praying for help. What was the other part of it? Repentance. Repentance. And there are, there's more than one factor. Because there's more than one group of people. We say, Lord, we're praying for our nation. Well, we have a great nation. There is no doubt. One of the greatest anywhere. But there's a lot of evil in it. I said there's a lot of evil in it. We have people who openly worship idols and false gods. Is that true? This is no small thing. It's in our land. We have the slaughter of millions of innocents. We have all kind of things. The blasphemy of God has just come up to unprecedented levels. Right? This is a scourge against us. And it's not that it turns God against us. It's just that it opens the door for the enemy. But did you know God will do things for his church in the midst of a lot of bad things? He knows how to deliver the godly in the midst of evil and wrong. And he will do things for us just because we came and repented on behalf of the people and asked him to. I've had him tell me this before personally. There have been times I've been praying for family members that were just, oh man. They've been spared by the mercy of God so many times they should have there perished many times before. And you couldn't say they didn't know. You couldn't say God hadn't given them every opportunity. But there was one time I said, Lord, I know, I know, I know. But I'm asking you for mercy. I'm asking you for another opportunity. I'm asking you for repentance, gift of repentance. And I've had the Lord say to me one time, he said, he said, he said I'm going to do that just because you asked me to. Wow. Is that true? We've seen cases in the scripture where if one man would stand in the gap, is that right? One person. But again and again, it included this element of repentance, of identifying and confessing. In Amos, it says about rain, Amos, verse 7, uh, chapter 6, verse 7, he said, I have caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. <laughs> One peace was rained upon, and the peace whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities would wander to that one city to drink water, and we're not satisfied. Why? Yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. Verse 9, he said it again, yet you didn't return to me. Verse 10, yet you didn't return to me. Verse 11, yet you didn't return to me. What's the solution? Returning to him. Everybody stand on your feet, please. Hallelujah.
Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> Blessed be God most high. I want to lead you in a prayer concerning our nation. It's only the mercies of God that we haven't been destroyed. Hmm? We've heard again and again and again of attacks and destruction that didn't happen. Right? What about all the ones we didn't hear about? And any that did was not God's will nor his fault. We need to come back to why wasn't he able to protect us? Y'all with me, friends? Yes, absolutely. So I want to lead you in a prayer. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, Father God. We thank you for this great nation. What a blessing it is to us and to the world. And the gospel that has arisen from this land and gone to the four corners of the world <coughs> is unprecedented. And you have done it. You have raised up this nation and you have sustained it because you were honored in it from the beginning and to this day. But we acknowledge, O oh Lord, there is, there is wickedness amongst our people. Amongst our people. There's, idol There's idol worship, false god worship, false god worship. Devil, worship. devil worship. There's blasphemy against you, blasphemy in, you. Many in many places. And we repent for this. Repent for this. This, is this is wickedness. No one, no one should say such things against you. Or do such things against you. And we repent. On behalf of our nation. And we ask for mercy. Any tragedies we've experienced. Are not your will. And not your fault. And if you were not able to keep us. And protect us from that. We don't have to wonder why. There's been much evil, much sin, and an unwillingness to change or humble themselves before you. But we are your church, and we are the salt, and we are the light, and we are in this land. And for our sake, and for the kingdom's sake, and the gospel's sake. We ask for an extension of mercy and that repentance would be given and light would be shown and truth made known. Pray in the Spirit, son.